0: To the one in one podcast, where below average podcaster chats with an above average athlete. I'm your host, Bridget Bay. I'm really excited for today's guests. We have former Notre Dame and University of Central Florida quarterback Brandon Wimbush and his business partner, Aiden Sile, who's also a Notre Dame alum. Together, they founded the company Mogul, which helps athletes and businesses maximize off their brand potential. We're going to talk about their athletic careers and their business partnership. Guys, welcome to the show.
1: Bridget, thanks Thanks so so much for having us, Bridget.
0: Absolutely. And you guys are both Jersey boys, which I love because, as I was saying off air, I'm a Jersey girl. Brandon, you're from Teaneck, which is the town I'm more familiar with. It's only a few towns away from me. And Aiden, you're from Maplewood, which isn't too far over the next county. Tell me about your childhoods.
2: Yeah, being from North Jersey, it's it's one of those things where kind of – a cold, right? Like Aiden <laughs> said earlier, is Jersey strong, right? So uh I always enjoy when I come in, in contact with um other other Jersey folk. Um but yeah, I had I had a really good childhood and um I think a lot of what we're doing at Mogul is premised um on, you know, the development of our, our youth years, Aiden and I youth years. Um just the ability to to have played so many sports and to have um, garnered such a lifestyle and you know discipline and all the intangibles that come along with playing sports as, as a child, I think is is kind of coming to fruition and um, you know is a huge part of what we're doing again at, at mogul. So my childhood was um, very you know very much based around sports and I am fortunate for that because I I don't think I would you know be where I am today if it weren't for um, you know my teammates my coaches, uh, my mom and my father are putting me in sports league. So I'm very appreciative for uh, the childhood that I had.
0: Nice. And what about you, Aiden?
1: I just kind of echo a lot of those same points. Um, obviously, growing up, you know, 40 minutes away from New York, that was obviously a really great experience as well, both culturally um, and educationally. Obviously, grew up playing sports as well, um, primarily soccer and basketball. I often like to joke that, you know, I definitely was not as successful growing up at sports as Brandon was. Um, So, But more on that later with regards to the youth athletic programming and the impact that we hope to make with Mogul. Um, I want to give a shout-out and a little plug for uh, my high school Seton Hall prep. Um, Brandon often (laughs) likes to make a joke that we went to – or I like to joke that we went to rival high schools, and he likes to say that it wasn't much of a rivalry. But I think it's – really important to note that Seton Hall prep beat St. Peter's this week in football so uh so shout out Seton Hall prep.
0: wow all right now Brandon when you were at St. Peter's did they did you guys ever lose to Seton Hall
2: no not ever Bridget. not <laughs> ever that's also that's also important to note uh we were we were 2-0 in my like senior year alone Bridget and, wow. and um so you know I like get into it it's a it's a it's a good rivalry and, Of schools within the north parts of Jersey. So, um, you know, we'll we'll go back and forth with them as as long as we can.
0: (laughs) Now, Brandon, when did you start playing football and then when did you take over as quarterback? Was that right away or was that a few years into your career?
2: I I actually quit, Bridget, uh, when I was younger, um, around, I want to say around fifth grade. I just thought it was too much and I was coming home with headaches and. My mom told me I was falling asleep in class, and you know th- that wasn't the path that I was looking forward to taking, uh, especially you know obviously through high school and whatnot. So my mom was like, "No, this is not for you." And then I, I came back, and you know I was inspired by you know I, this is a story I really haven't told before. And a, a kid named Devin Fuller who went on and, and played at uh, UCLA and then played a little bit for uh, the Falcons and and had a good little career in the NFL, but. We had a trainer, Maddie Williams, who, who played at um, Syracuse, and um, you know I, I'd gotten with I'd gotten with Maddie in my eighth grade year, and things kind of took off from there. And you know, it wasn't much of a recruitment, but I had a good connection with St. Peter's, and they, you know, we had spoken, and then I took a visit, and 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 um, everything kind of kicked off from there. And it took me a while, Bridget, to, to assume the starting position at at St. Peter's Prep because it's such a, a prestigious school and uh, great athletic program. So there's guys, you know, coming in every year that play the quarterback position. So it took me to my junior year, and that's pretty rare, I think, um, having two years under your belt to play the quarterback position and start. Um, but, you know, very fortunate for that opportunity uh, to play those two years and to, to lead my team. Um, you know, we, we, we had a great senior class, but to be able to, compete for two state championships and to win one. Um, So, you know, very fruitful career
0: phenomenal and you're right St. Peter's one of the best football programs in New Jersey sorry to say that Aiden but <laughs> you did win a state title you were ranked as one of the best quarterbacks in the country you're the Gatorade player of the year in New Jersey I think you were the offensive player the best offensive player in Jersey and you played in the Under Armour All-American ball so you ball so you're a really sought after recruit now Aiden at Seton Hall did you play you said you played basketball and soccer
1: yeah, I didn't play basketball and soccer when I actually got to Seton Hall. I actually ran track. Um, okay. It was really good for the waistline, actually. So um, I'll always, uh, always kind of wish that I could keep running track um, because I think that there's been a little bit of an impact on my lack of track participation in <laughs> later years.
0: <laughs> what were your events?
1: I ran the 200 and the 400.
0: Okay. So you're a speedy yeah. guy.
1: Yeah, so I, I was a sprinter and then uh, – good friend of mine actually senior year had me do javelin as well on, on top of that because he was headed for uh to play uh division one for javelin and that didn't go out go very well for me actually i think my fir- my farthest throw on the entire season was the first practice and then as soon as, as, soon as they taught me the technique i was useless
0: <laughs> very interesting now why did you choose to attend the university of notre dame
1: it's kind of interesting i always grew up watching notre dame football and they were always my favorite team Um, but i never understood and recognized that it was actually a great school on top of that um so throughout you know my academic schooling and obviously my target seat in all prep um i was definitely did very well in school and and you know was accustomed to the rigor and the demands of those academic programs um so when it came to apply to schools notre dame to a certain degree had become a dream school once I had realized that at the time of applying, it had also become ranked the number one undergraduate business program by Bloomberg, I believe it was, a few years in a row at that point. Um, So really the stars all aligned, you know, knowing that I wanted to study business, I knew that Notre Dame would offer me the perfect blend of work um, and play as a school. Obviously has a great athletics program and, you know, really has an awesome student body um, and culturally just a really phenomenal place as well. So I'm extremely blessed to have attended Notre Dame. Um, obviously, a lot of what we're doing at Mogul depends on our Notre Dame network. Um, and, Mogul's connect, and Notre Dame's connected me with incredible people along the way.
0: Yeah, everyone says that that I have on from Notre Dame, that the networking is so huge that you can talk to someone that's maybe 40 years older than you. But if you went to Notre Dame, they will help you out if they can.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think what really differentiates Notre Dame versus other schools, uh, large athletic programs in particular, is that the student body at Notre Dame is really only 9,000 at the undergraduate level and 12,000 total. Mm-hmm. So even though um, you're all rallying around a team, you know, whether you enter a school like Michigan or Ohio State, you know, everyone, there's fans everywhere. At Notre Dame, it's a much more closer-knit community, and you're able to draw the parallels and the connections between you know, a number of people and, you know, people that you've crossed paths with on campus. And it's just a really, really interconnected student body. Um, And I think, you know, as you kind of alluded to, the network that Notre Dame provides is second to none, um, both with regards to their professional success and their willingness to help.
0: For sure. Now, Brandon, can you talk about your recruiting process for football and why you chose Notre Dame?
2: It's funny because I've come full circle, Bridget. We're we're doing Instagram lives to kind of boost our... uh, you know, our social media following, and I have to, I'm going to interview a kid who just committed to Ohio State, and, um, you know, I'm asking him about his recruitment cycle, right, and if he's happy to be finished with it, right, because for me, it wasn't, I'm I'm not too into that, you know, that um, flashy lifestyle or that social media heavy, you know, recruiting that kids post every uh, offer that they get and, you know, I'm Blessed to have this. All, like you know, I, I wasn't into that. Bridget. So, so the recruiting process for me was um, more strategic in that I was looking. I knew what I was looking for, right? Like I knew I had these factors that were going to weigh heavily into this, into my decision. Um, and maybe you know, it, it was the biggest decision of my life. But maybe at, at initially, I didn't, I didn't, um, you know, kind of have my pr- priorities set straight. i committed to the University of Penn. Uh, i committed to Penn State. And actually decommitted, obviously, and then um, took a visit to Notre Dame and uh, was able to experience some of the things that Aiden just spoke about it, in terms of the network, in terms of the academic, uh, you know, lifestyle, in terms of the spiritual lifestyle, in terms of what they, what they value athletically. And I kind of fell in love, um, you know, that day, right, right then and there. So um, once I took that visit, I knew there was no other school um, You know, that was meant for me, and and it was an easy decision to make. But uh, overall, right, I enjoyed the process. I was really fortunate to be able to go through that recruitment process and uh, to have, you know, to be able to build connections and relationships with a bunch of the coaches and the players uh, through that cycle that I'm really still tight with today. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's nothing bad about that process, but uh, it was more so behind the scenes for me.
0: Gotcha. Now, how did you like Brian Kelly?
2: I enjoyed him. I, I I I love Coach Kelly, man. He's he uh he treat, he treated me really well while I was at while I was on campus. And there's nothing bad I have to say about him, right? And mm-hmm. a lot of people see the purple Kelly on the sidelines, you know, <laughs> when he used to get in those quarterback spaces. But um, he's so much more than that. And uh, when you're on the inside, you understand, you know, what he wants. He, you know, his standards are are really high, and. I think you have to have high standards when you're the head coach at the University of Notre Dame, and he uh, expects a lot about you know a lot out of his quarterback, and um, it's one of the most prestigious positions you can hold uh, in all of sports. So it's very understandable. Um, I loved Coach Kelly. I think he ran the program well. Um, I think he continues to show why he should be at at the helm of, of that school and that program.
0: Yeah, he's done a great job. And your first season is 2015. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you were yep. supposed to redshirt that year, but you ended up having to take that redshirt off due to injury to then starting quarterback Malik Zaire. Mm-hmm. So you became the second string quarterback.
2: You're right, Bridget. You're right. Um, you know, circumstances, right? And, and college before that, that happened. So, um, but yeah, Malik got hurt, he went down, and and Deshaun stepped in, and and you know his career took off from there. But I had to, like you said, I had to take off that red shirt year. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm actually not sure if the if the ruling was that was four games uh, before your before your red shirt was taken off because I think I only played in, in one. But but either way, I had five years, so I think I think that was given up actually that red shirt year. So. I think the rule has changed now, but um, that redshirt year kind of threw me into the into the fire. I was able to gain some experience that that I think uh, benefited me later on in my career.
0: Absolutely. And then your sophomore season—that's the true redshirt year for you.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Got to, got to got to sit back a little bit and <laughs> and learn a lot. Actually, now that you you mention it, I think that was our four and eighth year and. Uh, I think more learning and, and as a lot of people would, you know, a lot of other people would say, right, a lot of learning comes from losses. Uh, I think more learning comes from, from the losses that you take. So uh, I was very appreciative of that year to be able to sit behind DK and, and Malik and uh, within that entire quarterback room and, and learn so
1: much.
0: Yeah, I forgot you guys went four and eight. Wow. Speaks <laughs> to how well the programs yeah.
1: are doing. It was a great, great senior year for me.
0: Oh, that was your senior year? Oh, no.
1: (laughs) No, I'm just messing with Brandon.
0: (laughs) So now, Aiden, did you attend a lot of the sports games while you were at Notre Dame?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that's also one of the things that's so great about being a student at Notre Dame um, is that the offer to go to the games um, is awarded to everybody. You don't need to enter into a lottery. You don't need to, you know, stand waiting in line like a you know, Duke's Compton arena or anything like that. Um, the deal, at least when I was there was $250 for a season ticket as a student. Um, and as you can probably imagine, most single game tickets don't go for, you know, less than $250 for another game. So mm, wow. amazing, amazing um, experience being able to go to so many games. I um, went to every football game. I went to a lot of hockey and basketball games as well, which were a lot of fun. A couple of cross games here and there. Um, the student body really, really gets up for the athletic program there. And it's, a lot of it's because, like, these are guys that are in your class that you're close with, guys and girls, um, that you're close with, given the fact that the student body is so small, right, and they live in the dorms with and among the students.
0: That's awesome. Now, I haven't gotten a chance to go to a football game, but I've been there. I'm a big women's basketball fan for Notre Dame, and I've been out there twice, and it's a great basketball facility.
2: Yeah, it, it is. It's phenomenal. I think the community – Bridget um the community supports that basketball program like none other and it's it's a smaller it's a smaller stadium so I think I think the you know both the boys and the and the girls are they feel you know it's always packed right Mm -hmm. so there's always a community feel for both of those programs and um the, the support is consistent and I think the programs turn out to always do well and and um you know the coaches on these program are, are, are phenomenal. Coaches have been there for some time, and obviously McGraw, McGraw had, had, had moved on, and, and Coach is there now. Coach Bray has, has done a, a phenomenal job of, of leading both programs to you know where they are to are where they are now for some time. So uh, huge support for both the, the women's and the, and the men's basketball programs at them.
0: And I've always said that Mike Bray has the best job in the country because he gets to, you know, run an ACC basketball team. But the heat is never going to be on him because in Notre Dame, it's all about football.
1: <laughs>
2: it is all about football, right? But but Mike Bray has so much pride right, that he wants the program to, to always do well and to always be able to compete in the ACC, which I think is the top basketball conference in the country. And like I said, he's done that and and he's brought this team to, you know, he's brought the team really far, uh, especially within the past five, you know, five years to to 10 years. So I think he continues to recruit well and um, improve that program on all sides.
0: For sure. Now back to the football field, Brendan, your junior year in 2017, you're the starting quarterback for a 10 and three team. So that's a great turnaround from four and eight to now 10 and three and you're the only FBS quarterback that year to beat four teams that finish in the top 25. You had a great year.
2: Yeah, Bridget, I appreciate you. You know, don't make my head too big now, but (laughs) uh, no, it was phenomenal. I think we had a really solid year. I think there was a lot on the inside internally that went on that we were able to make the transition and shift from, you know, like you said, the four and eight years to be able to have our program uh, Finished with a 10 3 record uh, the following year. I think that starts from top down and Jack Swarbrick. And I mean, obviously, Father Jenkins, you know, okaying all the decisions there, but Jack Swarbrick and Coach Kelly and then our OC and uh, Tommy Reeve stepped in. And, um, and then, you know, it's always a, a credit. I always give credit, right, offensively for the offensive line of uh of being able to be the engine to any you know any vehicle right and, and they're the engine to our offense and without them and, and, and um you know in the trenches none of it would be none of the beauty players none of the skill players is what we call them would be able to operate so um we had a lot of good things going on internally i mean a strength program you know turned around um a full 180 right and, and it kind of it kind of transferred over onto the field um, and kind of into everything, right? Everything that all the athletes, all the players did on and off the field, into academics, right? And, and all the little things that were harped on kind of uh, transferred over onto the field and onto, into our 10-3 and season. So uh, definitely made a, a, a 180 shift.
0: Now, senior year, this might be a little bit tough to talk about because, you know, I talked about how great your junior year was. You had, like, records for yards rushing, for passing. And you start the first three games, and Notre Dame wins all those games. I believe you only lose one game that entire season to Clemson at the end. But after those three games, you get replaced. You become the backup, and Ian Book becomes the starter. That must have been pretty hard to deal with because it's not like you were losing games and throwing interceptions. It was just that, you know, in Coach Kelly's eyes and the offense that he was running, Book was the better fit for that season.
2: Yeah, I think, I think it's all about production, right? And you know, I was throwing the interception. I don't know. I forget what my numbers were, but I don't think they were, you know, I knew they weren't the, the production that um, I could have um, produced. Uh, so so coaches then, you know, seeing, seeing a, another guy that could potentially produce, you know, better numbers and, and have your team in a consistent position to win games and they didn't think that I was that guy, even though we were three and zero, right? Like you said. So there's decisions that have to be made, and um, you know you, you can't argue after you go twelve and zero. But obviously, personally, I'm a competitor. I would have loved to have continued to play, uh, continue to fight my way to a twelve and zero season, just like we did. And um, but you know, there's there's life life continues, life goes on, and uh, there's no regrets, you know, for me looking back. On anything, So uh, definitely a tough situation, Bridget, but I'm happy it happened. Uh, I think I'm better off for it, and, uh, you know, I'm here today, so.
0: Yeah, I mean, you handled that situation in such a classy way, and you continue to do that now in this conversation. And Ian is a friend of yours, and you had nothing but kind things to say about him, and it just shows the true character that you have.
2: Yeah, he's awesome. He's one of my best buddies obviously a hell of a football player to continue to put the team in position to win. And I think that's what Notre Dame uh, expects out of a quarterback is, is uh, the ability to win football games. And it's not an easy task, especially at Notre Dame. So, um, you know, like I said, he's a good friend. He needs to do things the right way on and off the field, uh, which is such, you know, such a big part at Notre Dame. And it's hard to, to do that consistently. So uh, nothing but good things to say about the guy uh 50 years down the road you know i'll, I'll beat this kid up just out of anger but uh other than that we'll uh, we'll continue to be brothers
0: that's awesome now after you graduate notre dame because you had that redshirt year you're able to use your fifth year to play elsewhere and you choose to attend central florida what I think is so cool, though, is that you don't have any resentment for Notre Dame. And you go back there. I mean, I think in the bye week at Central Florida, you went to Notre Dame to watch their game. You participated in Notre Dame's Pro Day. It just shows how proud you are of your alma mater.
2: 100%. I mean, Like you said, there's no resentment. Uh, I had a phenomenal experience on campus. Was able to put myself you know, around really good people. And, um, that's why we're here today on this phone call, you know, between you, Aiden, and myself. Um, so I, when I look back on it, like I said, there's no regrets. I had a phenomenal experience, a phenomenal three and a half years, um, got so much out of it. Right. And I understand life is bigger than playing a, playing a game. So there was so much more that I wanted to get out of the experience at Notre Dame. And I think I really did. So, um, And and it's a lifelong relationship that I have with the university and the people affiliated with the school. So, like I said, I knew it was bigger than me playing the game. And uh, there's so much more for for everybody to get out of that experience at Notre Dame. And, And I think I successfully did that.
0: And it's part of the reason why you guys created Mogul. So let's get into it. You both got business degrees from Notre Dame. Aiden, you mentioned Mendoza ranked number one for many years. And Aiden, you worked in finance before you guys started Mogul, correct?
1: Yeah, I've had a uh, kind of a topsy-turvy, but uh, extremely uh, awesome career thus far.
0: Very nice. And you're also on the Young Alumni Board at Notre Dame. What goes into that?
1: I think that's one of the things that I've been most blessed and honored to be a part of since graduating Notre Dame. Um, Obviously, I've had the opportunity to do a lot of things professionally um, and philanthropically as well, which we can kind of get into um, if you'd like. But um, being on the Young Alumni Board at Notre Dame has been an exceptional honor and privilege. Um, It's really offered me an opportunity to give back to the university while also staying close to what's occurring on on campus within the student body. Um, To provide you with a little bit of background, the primary goal of the Young Alumni Board is to really work with the broader Alumni Association to increase engagement among alumni 32 years and younger. Um, primary goal being to assist alumni as they transition from students to young alumni in the professional world, and giving them a platform to really continue to celebrate and give back to the university. Um, and also from a mogul perspective, uh, Brendan and I have both experienced that the board's been incredibly helpful to, to us as we've built this company. I've um, been able to leverage a lot of the exceptional people that are on the board as board members with me um, for advice, insight, and and at times professional services as well. Um, That's been really, really helpful as we've kind of built this kind of business and grown it to where it's at today.
0: Awesome. Now, how did you two link up? Did you guys know each other during your undergrad or even in high school days? Did you ever kind of cross paths?
2: Yeah. I I think it was more so of being affiliated with one another. Uh, all the way through from high school days to college days. And then professionally, as you know, as we progressed through college, uh, it became more of a professional uh, relationship and network. And then um, staying on that track, Joe Schmidt, who is a former Nurem walk-on linebacker, um, captain was a good friend of mine and just a guy that, you know, everybody Bridget looked up to and, and respected and especially, you know, on and off the field, but, uh, professionally. And he went on to work at a, a venture capital firm, one of the top VC firms in the world, Excel. And, you know, this was in the interest of Aiden's and I guess, and like I alluded to earlier, um, a lot of athletes or a lot of student athletes and students in general looked up to Joe and um, Aiden had reached out to Joe and, and you know, uh, kind of proactively to see what he thought about, you know, just the entire name image and likeness space and Ideas around the opportunity to to kind of get into the space and Joe, um, Joe mentioned that he should, you know, connect with me because I was thinking along the same lines and, uh, was kind of on the, on the, on the back end of my playing, you know, days and was looking for something professionally. So Aiden reached out to me and I was familiar. Like I said, we were familiar with one, with one another. And, um, he reached out to me just seeking advice, purely advice. Your advice, and then uh, I kind of offer him, as you like to put it, one one better. It was like, hey, let's do this together, right? Let's, let's see if we can build something here together. And, um, you know, for the past eight months, and we can get into it, but for the past eight to nine months, we've kind of just been heads down, uh, hard at the grind, hard at work.
0: I have so much respect for people that start their own business because like Aiden, you were working in finance and you decide to start your own business, Brandon, your football career just ended and, you know, you're jumping into this, just so much respect, but let's get into it. Can you guys describe what Mogul is and how that idea came about?
1: So basically what Mogul is, is at Mogul, we're creating a platform that will connect current and former student athletes to compensation opportunities in their local marketplaces. So the primary goal at local is to really empower the athletes to generate a source of income while helping businesses to build their brands and increase their profitability as a result. So we're all about connecting athletes and the community like never before so that all parties can benefit and and improve and, for lack of a better term, win, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, to to take a step back um, for listeners out there who may not be as familiar with the space that we're operating in here, Um, This is all revolving around what's called the name, image, and likeness ruling. Um, So initially, you know, when we initially, I initially had the idea for Mogul back in October of 2019 when individual states, notably Florida, began to pass laws that would allow collegiate athletes to profit off of their name, image, and likeness. Effectively, what that means is athletes would be able to enter into opportunities and engagements to leverage their brand, their popularity, their success that they've derived from their athletic career in order to profit on the side while not being actually compensated by universities for their performance, you know, on the athletic field or the court. So i would really been looking for an opportunity to make a positive impact while also working in a field that I was passionate about, in this case, obviously, being sports. Um, You kind of alluded to it, but I had a professional career prior to this I was, you know, very fortunate enough to spend two years working at Morgan Stanley, followed by a stint in private equity at Lexington Partners. And then I've been working at IHS Market as well as a senior strategy associate, really leveraging my management consulting degree in that seat. Um, But, yeah, so I've been reaching out to many, you know, former and current athletes and really as many who would take my call to get their feedback on the idea of Mogul and have the initial conversations when Brandon and I were given the opportunity to reconnect And, you know, as I say, the rest is kind of history at this point. Um, But, yeah, to to kind of bring that full circle, we're creating a platform that will connect athletes to compensation opportunities in a secure, seamless and efficient manner.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of this is centered around a ruling for the NCAA that's due to come in August of 2021, right? They're supposedly going to say, "Okay, athletes, now you can profit off your name, image and likeness.
1: Right. So back in October of 2019, I believe it was Florida passed laws that would allow state or their state and collegiate athletes within it to enter into NIL um, engagements, if you will. But what really kind of kick started Mogul um, and what you know, caused me to dig up the business plan is that in January of this year, the NCAA for the first time ever actually voiced support for um, name, image, and likeness rule changes. So this was the first time that the NCAA, as a a governing body, had voiced support for this at a federal level. So what's occurring right now is that they've filed for state preemption with Congress, which would basically mandate that this law, if it went into effect, would go into effect at the federal level. Um, And for all intents and purposes, we believe that that will be passed. And the date that we're targeting um, this legalization is August of 2021 by our estimates and some, you know, esteemed insiders that we've been speaking with.
0: And it's probably past due, right? This has been an ongoing debate for years. Should athletes be able to make money while the NCAA is profiting off all these kids' names?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this has been a long time coming. I mean, I'm sure, you know, you, you can recall years back when the NCAA, you know, video game was pulled off the shelves because... Um, you know, the NCAA was profiting off of these guys' image and likeness. Um, but, yeah, so basically this has been a long time coming, and we're really, you know, fortunate and excited to be operating in this space um, and really provide those value, the value back to the athletes that, in our opinion, they've been criminally kind of um, – criminally stripped of, if you will. The, the NCAA in 2017 eclipsed revenues of a billion dollars for the first time the incredible amount of value that these universities derive from um, these athletes, name, image, and likeness is just insane. So it's, it's only right that these guys are able to at least generate an, a, some source of revenue um, for themselves, right? Absolutely. They don't have the opportunity or the schedule to allow for them to get a job on the side. So really, this is just about empowering them to experience what it's like to have as normal to a college career as possible. Just get a few extra bucks in your pocket, maybe send it home, do whatever you want with it because you've earned it.
0: Very true. And yeah, D1 athletes, right, Brandon, you can attest to this. There was no time for you to have a job on the side.
2: None, none whatsoever, Bridget. <laughs> so this type of opportunity, right, where I can take advantage of, of, you know, maybe you know, it's it's really how active, and engage you, you know, you personally want to be. I mean, I think there will be opportunities for me, you know, if I, was a, if I was an athlete, to take advantage of maybe one to two a week. You know, that, that, you know that's max. I think that's high numbers. Mm-hmm. But, man, like I would have loved to have seen an opportunity to go do an autograph signing at Blaze Pizza or at Bruno's, right, in South Bend. Either, either you know, Bruno's or Brothers is another uh, restaurant right there in, in our in our local area of of South Bend, but t- just to show up for an hour or two hours and sign autographs and you know interact with fans and and walk away with 500 to you know whatever the numbers are extra in my pocket, right? And as a college student, you have to understand. Um, you know, That's why I wanted to do this with Aiden because I I put myself in the, back in my shoes when I was in college and I was like, man, I really was in a bad financially. Uh, I was in a bad state financially, right? And and it was kind of like, where is my next dollar coming from? Um, And it wasn't really coming from home because my mom, although I didn't um, qualify for the FAFSA, my mom didn't have that extra dollar to to send to me at all all times. So these opportunities are are, are pertinent. They're going to be important for a lot of athletes. um, And we're excited to be able to to help them access these opportunities in their local markets.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. You, you guys said said Florida has already passed some of these rules. I'm so shocked that like the recruiting in Florida hasn't been just really good and just everyone's flocking totally. to go to the Florida schools, right?
1: Well, the the way that their bill is currently structured is that it would go into effect in July of 2021. Um, there is a chance that you know some people who aren't as informed as we are are targeting that and it's helping their recruiting currently there are schools
2: probably within the state of Florida that are targeting the 2021, July 2021 date as as early, you know, for, for compensation opportunities for the recruits. For them to be pioneering and, and leading this entire opportunity is pretty unique, pretty important, and pretty big, right, for these schools to say, okay, we have the opportunity for you guys to come down here and make money, right, and whether it's annually, or, you know, if it's a Trevor Lawrence, it might be $500,000 annually, right? These opportunities, though, sound really, really appealing and intriguing for an 18-year-old. So we, we, you know, we clearly see the recruiting competitive advantage for these border schools heading into next year, and that's why we are, you know, our, our date, our calendars are targeted for January 31st, the latest, where there's a vote um, by the Board of Governors for NCAA on whether or not this rule is going to be taken at a federal level, um, you know, where it's going to be mandated across all states um, for all schools. So, right now, you know, to make it, to, to kind of bring that full circle, Florida is in a position to kind of win a lot of the recruits over.
0: This can really affect recruiting in the future, more so maybe, okay, Florida for a little bit, but if the NCAA passes this and every school now the players have the opportunity to use their name, image, and likeness, I would think the bigger cities have the advantage. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, And we we recognize that, you know, definitely – a factor in all of this, Um, as we kind of build out Mogul and build our brand awareness nationally, we're definitely targeting cities that not only have large population and economic um, bases to derive value from, but also, you know, are coupled with the large athletic departments and programs in them. So, you know, just off the top of my head, cities that come to mind would be Austin, Texas, Columbus, Ohio, Los Angeles, California, Miami, Florida these are large population centers with huge athletic programs and a lot of value to be able to throw in at these athletes. Um, so that's definitely a factor. Um, I think to a certain degree, that's probably already been weighed into a lot of recruiting decisions, right? Like if an athlete has the opportunity to go and be in a large city like Austin or Miami, they're going to have a really great experience. Um, but I think that this, this will only help to potentially, um, widen that spectrum if you will of recruiting advantage
0: absolutely thinking it uh, in terms of basketball right the people that have the teams that have that recruiting advantage now are duke and kentucky but if we're looking at this thing expanding duke's in durham north carolina and kentucky is in lexington kentucky i mean those are pretty small markets when you look at them the basketball team at ucla or miami as you said or maybe even st john's in new york city would be good again like it's crazy what could happen
1: yeah i mean there's a lot up in the air and those are definitely some key considerations that to be aware of i think what's going to be ever more important for a team like kentucky or duke given the fact that they're in those smaller markets is the digital branding component of all of this um so we're aware of a lot of Um, companies that are really targeting that as a key focus area with regards to their business model and the value they can provide to these universities. And that if you can help a Kentucky, which already probably has a really strong digital presence, but if you can help them build their digital brand um, even more, then that will be able to attract more digital value and a larger platform for athletes that go to Kentucky to play basketball, to do social media marketing campaigns, and things along those lines.
0: Yeah, I mean, the influencing that can happen for these athletes is going to be out of control.
1: Absolutely. Um, and we definitely view that as a major focus of the mobile business model as well. Obviously, we're offering you know a number of engagements and opportunities, such as in-person appearances, but the social media component is going to be extremely um, essential for our success as well.
0: Mm, nice. Now, I can think of an athlete, you guys both know her, Arike Gumbawali. So after she hit those two game-winning shots in 2018, she was selected for the show Dancing with the Stars. Now, all of the other athletes or celebrities, whatever, they get paid tens of thousands of dollars to be on that show. At that point, Arike couldn't make a cent of that. But if everything goes through, you would help an athlete like Arike get that money.
2: Yep. That's what we're here for. Um, she wasn't able to do it. She voiced her opinion on that, too, Bridget. So it was really important for her, right? And this wasn't even, I mean, it's always been a conversation, but this wasn't as um, at the forefront of, of college sports back when she did that, which I believe was in uh, 18, right? And, and man, you know, just imagine, right? She had hit those two shots, and just her value, I mean, just skyrocketed. So if we were to align her with a brand that she would, you know, love to align herself with, and that's what we think is important too, that the line between the brand and the athlete. And she obviously accepted the offer to go on uh, Dancing with the Stars. So she saw an opportunity there to, to kind of continue to build her brand. And um, she wasn't able to receive compensation for it, any form of compensation. And it's just, like Aiden said, we think it's criminal, right, that, that you're putting yourself out there and you're, you're drawing your fans and your engagement to uh, another service or another business and you're not reaping any benefits from it. So we're excited to be able to help athletes um, take full advantage of these similar opportunities.
0: Now, what are your roles in the company? Do you guys have different roles or are they the same?
2: We wear many hats. <laughs> we pride ourselves on wearing. We pride ourselves on wearing many hats. Um, you know, we, we think it's it's a fifty fifty partnership. You know, we're, we're we are fully in this together. Even though Hayden has another job, he dedicates a lot of his time. Even though he does have another job, he dedicates more of his time to what we're doing here at Mobile. And uh, I think we've both put in a you know a fair amount of time to to make this thing what it is today. And um, we're excited. And we have so much help, Bridget, that interns included, sales reps, uh, people who are willing to help, which is, such, is so key when you're running a business um, that, you know, but right now it's, a, it's at a point where A and I have to wear all the hats we can wear to, to uh, make this thing, you know, push forward.
0: That's amazing. Now, hey, if you guys, you know, ever take this business to New York and you need an average secretary, I'm your girl. Give me a call.
2: (laughs) That sounds good. I think that's where we want to end up. And Aiden already has a little bit of a uh, footprint up there. So uh, when the time is right, we'll definitely be in touch.
0: (laughs) I love it. Now, obviously, COVID-19 has affected so many businesses. It's been awful. Has it affected Mogul?
1: To a certain degree, I would say that it has, just given the fact that a lot of eyes and a lot of tourism aren't on these areas that we're focusing in right now, right? So for example, if we look at the microcosm that is South Bend, Indiana, they're only having a couple thousand fans, whatever it is. So we're not able to go and do a ton of engagements with the the former student athletes that are operating in those marketplaces. Um, Whereas if, you know, it were normal times, we'd have a much more um, much larger opportunity to connect those athletes with opportunities in South Bend, um, and that obviously exists throughout the country. That being said, our primary focus here at Mogul is on the student athlete. So, although we want to provide value to former athletes as well, and current professional athletes, we're really focusing on building this to in a way that will be most effective and user friendly for student athletes. So. COVID-19 has certainly affected our business in that a lot of in-person appearances aren't happening um, and a lot of people aren't, you know, traveling to these college football hotspots and, you know, later on college basketball. But luckily for us, um, you know, the, the whole virtual working environment has actually been beneficial for us, given the fact that Brandon and I aren't in the same location and our focus is on a population that we currently can't actually provide value for. So.
0: Tell me, what does success for Mogul look like in three to five years? What we're really trying
1: to do here at Mogul is we want to become synonymous with collegiate athletics, right? We want to truly generate value for all student athletes, not just the one to two percent that are going pro, or you know, are the Trevor Lawrences with their future Head and Shoulders ads, if you will. <laughs> um, that was we great. really want.
2: We they want didn't to watch, they didn't watch one of those ads, too, those head and shoulders ads.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> in this to get a head and shoulders ad. Um, that's the only thing I want within the next three to five years. <laughs> Sorry to cut you off, man. Go ahead. <laughs> no worries. Don't worry. Um, but truly, at BOGO, what we're really trying to do is we're trying to generate a source of income for student-athletes. We're trying to provide value for local businesses to increase their brand awareness and profitability. And then... Finally, we're actually really trying to have an impact in the community. So kind of getting back to the beginning of of our conversation, when we were talking about my lackluster athletic career versus Brandon's youth athletic career. Um, (laughs) What we're really trying to do here is have a profound impact on youth athletic programming in the underprivileged communities surrounding collegiate athletic hotspots. So what we're doing um, from an impact perspective is we plan on donating a portion of proceeds into youth athletic programming, whether it be creating a fund to fund equipment and uniforms and travel, or whether it just be, you know, donating to the local um, parks and recreation system. Because what we found is that youth athletics has become a pay to play machine as cost of participation continue to increase. So within the low to middle income classes, participation in youth athletics has fallen. whereas in the top, you know, top income bracket they've risen. So we're really trying, you know, recognizing the fact that we both grew up playing sports and recognizing the extensive benefit that youth athletics provides on development. We're really trying to promote the future accessibility of youth athletics within the communities surrounding these large college, college athletics hotspots. Um, and obviously, you know, at the end of the day. Um, You know, we'd be honored um, and very interested in partnering with businesses that have similar values to us in order to scale this um, to something that can really, really provide value to all communities nationally. Um, So if there's anyone out there listening who wants to connect, we'd be more than happy to connect in order to really provide value to the local community.
0: I think Mogul has a great model. I'm so excited for you guys and the future that this company holds.
2: Thank you so Thank much, you, Bridget.
0: Of course. All right. Well, I love to end the podcast with a couple fun questions. So let's start with what professional sports teams do you guys root for?
1: Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, being, uh, being raised in New Jersey, I'm New York through and through. So Giants, Yankees, unfortunately the Knicks. <laughs> um, and then, you know, obviously Notre Dame football takes precedence over everything.
0: What about you, Brandon?
1: Uh, I'm
2: more of an individual. Like, I root for individuals, which is, you know, maybe controversial. But I'm a huge Aaron Rodgers fan, a uh, huge Cam Newton fan, huge Russell Wilson fan. Um, but when it comes to a team and if there's a team that's, you know, late in, in the playoffs, it's going to be the
1: Giants for
2: sure.
0: Okay. Well, it's a rough season for you guys with the Giants, but <laughs> –
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa! We're still in, we're still in striking distance for the playoffs. Have you seen how bad the division is?
0: Yeah, it's pretty bad. So you're right. You guys do <laughs> actually have a shot.
1: We might, we might make the playoffs with five wins.
0: <laughs> That's so funny. All right, next question. If you could have dinner with one person, living or dead, who would it be?
1: Um. <laughs> I
2: would, yeah, Aiden. We have dinner a lot, but I would go with. Uh, off the top of my head, it'd have to be Jay Z, um, you know, just for the pure reason of of um, the way he moves, I think is, is uh, admirable for me uh, at this point in his career, especially where he's come from and kind of what he stands for and how he's able to help so many other people. It's a great um, one. So that, that's, that's who I would sit down with for sure.
1: On a realistic note, I think I'd really love to have dinner with LeBron James. Um, I think a lot of his values m- mimic and parallel what we're doing at Mogul. Just given the fact with the I Promise School, I believe is what it's called, that he, he started in Akron. Um, just his philanthropic involvement and you know just willingness to give back, and always being you know a true like, gentleman and brand. Um, has been exceptional. You know, a lot of these guys let the success go to their head, but he's been, you know, nothing but a great father, a great husband, and an absolutely exceptional athlete.
0: Yeah, that's so true. All right, last question. And then, and
1: then Bridget, and then, oh, and then I had another one. I, I tossed in John D.
2: Rockefeller in there for me.
0: Okay. I think just
2: who he was as an individual and not as, not even as a business mogul, um, pun intended, but, um, <laughs> But as the person he was that I've read about, I think is a phenomenal uh, kind of example of of how I like to live my life. And how he's dealt with the people that work for him and work under him.
0: Nice, nice. All right, Aiden, do you want to give a second one since Brandon did?
1: (laughs) That was my second one. My first one was Brandon.
0: Okay, all right. Good point, good point. (laughs) All right, guys, last question. The holidays are coming up. What is your favorite holiday movie?
2: I gotta go with Home Alone. I think Home Alone is is my number one. Uh, I can watch it continuously, Bridget, year after year, and not get bored. So, um, definitely Home Alone for me.
0: Do you like the first one or the second one better?
2: You know what? I think it's the first one. To be me honest too. with you, I think if I can remember correctly, I think the first one and the third one potentially. The third or maybe one, I'm, come on! But definitely the first one.
0: Okay. Yeah, I can watch the first one. Like, I watch it every year. It's so great.
1: Yeah. Actually, I'd probably tend to agree, but if I were to go with another one, um, I would definitely go with Elf. I'm actually usually not even a massive Will Ferrell fan, but I think the movie itself is just so unique. I um, <laughs> obviously, it's absolutely hilarious, um, and I'm very, very partial to New York, having grown up so close to it, having lived there now for three years. Um, and the opportunity to see New York scenery at the holidays when it's when it's extremely magical. Mm-hmm. Um so it's great.
0: Yeah, Elf is like the rare film that takes place in New York as far as Christmas movies. I feel like a lot of those Christmas movies take place in Chicago.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's where Home Alone is filmed.
0: Yeah. And um, Family Vacation. National mm-hmm, Lampoon's mm-hmm. Christmas oh,
1: yeah. Vacation. National Lampoon's.
0: A Christmas story. I don't think that's Chicago, but that's definitely Midwest.
1: Yeah, a lot of these movies are filmed, like, in the suburbs. And a lot of them, after, you know, when you Mm -hmm. search them, like, filming locations, a lot of them happen to be in Illinois. I don't know if it's convenient from the filming perspective, given the fact that they can fly into Chicago and get everybody there cheaply. Um, But, yeah, you're totally right.
0: Yeah, it's odd. I guess Illinois just does Christmas better than everyone.
1: Well, there's definitely more snow. (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's a great point. All right, you guys, thank you so much for taking time to come on the podcast today. I, I'm just so excited for you guys. I think Mogul is going to be such a great business, and I can't wait to see how you guys do.
1: Yeah, great. So thank you. Thank you so much again. Um, we really, really love the mission that you're trying to accomplish at the one-on-one One podcast as well, really getting the stories of athletes who work just as hard as the others. Um, but like you worded on your page, you know, they're not on SportsCenter every day. Mm-hmm. So if there's anything we can do to help you build your brand, because um, that, that's what we do at Mogul. We're in the business of brand building. Um, please don't hesitate to reach out. And, uh, you know, Jersey strong.
0: All right, everyone. That was my chat with Brandon Wimbush and Aiden Sile. Really interesting conversation. Their business plan is solid, and I can't wait to see how Mogul does. I'll be back soon to speak with another outstanding athlete.